This is HR in Review, a podcast dedicated to HR thought leadership, actionable advice, and all the latest developments in human resource management. Welcome to another episode of the HR in Review show. I'm your host today, Bill Badham. And in this episode, we're going to ask what's the difference between remote friendly and remote first work? And why is this difference so important? My guest this time is Sandra Thompson founder of the EI Evolution CX and EX Consultancy. She is also a lecturer, professional behaviours and customer management and people management and leadership at Pearson College London. Hey Sandra, welcome to the show. Hi Bill, hi everyone, great to be here, thank you for having me. Sandra, beyond my reintroduction there, why don't you start by uh, introducing yourself a little bit and telling our listeners about the EI Evolution CX and the EX Consultancy. Thank you. So I actually started out as a marketing person. I led teams and then I discovered that, in fact, I wanted to influence more of the journey that customers took, not just the marketing bit, but the experience that they were taking. So I switched about 12 years ago over to customer experience. And I then understood that employee experience is obviously interdependent with customer experience. So that's what I've been doing. In simple terms, making sure that customers are happy and making sure that employees, good ones, stay. So I'm an Goldman emotional intelligence coach, and I've been trying to weave that emotional intelligence into the work that I do. And as you've mentioned, I also teach. So I wear several hats. My ultimate goal is to make things better for people, whether it's a customer or whether it's an employee. And I feel very blessed to have that kind of responsibility and also those opportunities that come. Wonderful. Thank you very much. OK, so regular listeners of the pod, I'm sure they're pretty familiar with this term emotional intelligence. But I'd like to get your take on it. I'd, I'd like you to you know, maybe take the first minute of your following answer and uh, give us your take on what you believe emotional intelligence means. And then as part of the answer also, perhaps you can suggest why, why you care so much about emotional intelligence in the workplace. So I always use the Goleman reference, which is about how you recognize and understand and manage emotions in yourself and how you recognize and influence the emotions of others. The fact is that we are all emotional creatures, we are run, our bodies are run with hormones and chemicals, serotonin, oxytocin, all that wonderful stuff. And we know when we work with people that we like, we know we're enjoying work, but we also recognize stress. The reason why this is so important in the workplace is because I really believe that uncomfortable, challenging, unhelpful, challenging, that is, situations are avoidable. Conflict is avoidable in the workplace if we recognised our emotions and we were able to show up in a different way. Our emotions are a choice, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen. And when we practise the skill of emotional intelligence, we are more able to show up in a way that is helpful and productive for others. And when we practise the skill of emotional intelligence, we're also able to recognise, understand and empathise with others too. Wouldn't the workplace be amazing if we felt invigorated and high energy rather than energy being sapped from us and working in very stressful and unnecessary kind of conflict? Follow us on Twitter at HR Review or join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. 
why do you focus on how we work, Sandra, rather than where we work? And we are, of course, living in very changed times. People are now more used to the idea of hybrid workplaces or remote working in, in a full capacity and, uh, and widened talent pools and, and, and so forth. It is very much a changed world since before the pandemic, certainly. But, but what, why the focus there? Why the focus on the how instead of the where? I think all of you will recognise this, and I think that what I'm about to say is absolutely obvious, but I'm not sure how often we stop and properly think about it. Work is a series of tasks, whether it's problem solving, whether it's creative writing, whether it's working with others, whatever that might be. And when I took a moment to recognise how I work, I realised that actually sometimes I need to be completely silent. I need to be able to focus on very deep work to come up with something new or to solve a problem. Other times when I'm writing blogs or I'm writing courses, I need to be in an environment where I can be inspired. So in actual fact, they are connected. But my invitation to everyone is to think about what it is that we're doing, how we're working, where we get the very best out of ourselves and we know that we can be highly productive. So again, if you think about your own work, if you think about when you're doing work, I know that when I was employed, I work for myself now, but when I was employed, the majority of the great work I did was at the very end of the day because the majority of my working day was filled with meetings. But what we're seeing now is people carving time out putting themselves into different locations in order to be productive because they know how their own body works. If you have any comments on the HR and Review podcast, would like to suggest a topic or speaker, or provide other feedback, you can contact us using the email podcast at hrreview.co.uk. We look forward to hearing from you. Now perhaps you could explain or, or describe the, the difference between remote-friendly and remote first and uh, and why this difference is important the key difference between remote friendly and remote first is that remote friendly is a perk or a privilege organizations we know this from the pandemic you know people were working from home now we've got a, a series of different models we've got people absolutely working remote first because their offices have shut down or the organization design has changed We've also got people working hybrid, so coming into the office occasionally, working from whatever location it might be. Or in some cases, I know that you know that people have been told, here's the edict, you've got to return. So actually, remote friendly is where remote is kind of tolerated. It's a perk or a privilege. Remote first is when the design of the company is such that you consider remote as the first point of call. And what I mean by that is that work is decentralized. So you see the use of things like Google, Docs, centralization of documents within a cloud rather than some things being in the office, some things being outside. But this is where it gets quite interesting because ultimately people who are working in remote friendly environments are starting to feel that they're missing out on opportunities if they're not in the office. I think many of you listening now will recognize that as a trend coming up. But if the organization is designed in such a way that people aren't penalized for the choice they make on how they work, that's a very different culture. It's a very different way of working. It's far more a conscious choice. 
Oh man, there are so many questions that I could follow up with you there, but uh, we don't have time today. We have a very tight uh, podcast schedule because I've got loads of cool questions for you, but maybe we'll just have to get you back on and chat to chat about that more next time. But um, and I'd now love for you to take a few minutes and describe the eight skills that you think everyone should practice and how these skills might help us to avoid increasingly common work issues. Do you know, I was invited to give a TEDx talk a number of years ago now, and I was of the belief that emotionally intelligent people occurred more often in remote work environments. So let me just explain that for a second. So I had a couple of experiences as a customer. Someone was working in a contact center, going through the process, feeling you could sense the stress from them. And then I dealt with another organization where the person was working from home. They seemed to be far more relaxed. I came across a piece of research by a mother and son team, uh, Roberta and Nathan. And I'll I'll, uh, mention the work in the show notes so you can have a good look at this. But they identified eight skills that were common in people who were brilliant at remote work. And those eight skills, I fundamentally believe, should be the bedrock of every single person, whether they're working outside the office or inside, because with these skills, we would get more done, we would have far less anxiety, we would have a formative and kind of collegiate workplace. So here's what they are. Starting from the top, communication. We know about communication. We know that when we don't have good communication, it starts to unravel the way that we're working. But they do things in the remote space, like writing up a communication charter, which is a kind of pre-agreement on how you want to be communicated with and which channel works exceptionally well for you. So, for example, with me, if you want to send me a quick message to get me to do something quickly, WhatsApp me. If you want to discuss something at length, then sure, we'll have a Zoom call. Otherwise, it's a quick email. So communication is critical. And in fact, in the remote space, they over-communicate, which means they are always thinking about clarity, accuracy, and being succinct. The next skill of the eight is self-motivation. And this is very much about having your own ability without expectation of reward but definitely of recognition to get yourself through the work tasks that need to be done now that is a big ask and it is a culture shift in some organizations but the fact is you enjoy the work you do this you see the purpose of the work you do so you are self-motivated this third one is fascinating i think because trustworthiness is most certainly, I think, a skill and an attitude. And this is about fulfilling the expectations your managers, your leaders, your colleagues have of you about supervision. Now, I know that certainly when I started working for myself, I, I wasn't so much about the trustworthiness, it was more about the procrastination when I knew that no one was kind of checking in on whether I was doing my work or not. I had to create deadlines and a way to trust myself get the work done. The next one is discipline and managing your energy. The next one is about critical thinking and curiosity, finding your own answers, independently analyzing and evaluating the strategies that you've got. Adaptability is the next, the ability to move your plea and to 
change gear, change speed, change the way that you're working in order to get tasks done. Accountability is next. Knowing that you are going to get the work done so that people can count on you. And the eighth, which is no, no means the last in the list, but it's just the way it's come off from, from the way I've read it out, is empathy. Having that self-awareness, knowing how you're showing up, and being aware of other people's feelings. So just imagine if everyone in your organization had those eight skills. These are not things that are the kind of, just the domain of people who work in remote. These are the skills that should be evident in your organization so that everyone can play equally and things can get done without supervision or the need for control. Sandra, you and I uh, got to know each other because you were involved in the recent Disrupt HR London event, which happened in early July at the Royal Institution in, in central London. And you were a speaker there. And your session was called It's About the How, Not the Where We Work. Now, I've got an idea of the importance of that already, given the third question that I asked of you. But perhaps you could take a couple of minutes now and tell our listeners a bit more about that session. Getting involved was such a honor um, for a number of reasons. I looked at who else was on the bill and I just thought, you know what? Being asked to do this, I've just got, I've got to do it. Uh, and interestingly, I was flying in from New York earlier that afternoon and it was a bit touch and go whether I would make the timing, uh, but we got there in time, which was, was, which was immense. So being involved, in something that is disrupting HR. You know, I have led teams, I have worked with HR, and I think they have such an incredible opportunity to do in slightly different ways in certain situations. And I really want to be part of that. The second thing is the format. 20 slides in five minutes. I have never done that before. And so the challenge of needing to present my idea in a way that was super fast and super succinct. I'm always up for that. Uh, and the final thing really was to be at the RI. You know, I, I one of my first ever jobs was working in an interactive science center uh, and the privilege of being in that space was, was quite immense. So those are the reasons why I got involved and why I'd be chuffed to be, to be there. The next point really is what I spoke about. I tried to fit in quite a lot, but I was basically saying, You've got to give people a choice on how they work for the reasons I've given before. People know when they have energy. They know when they're productive. When you force them to do something in a space that actually wastes a lot of time, you're not giving them the opportunity to do their best, which is hugely frustrating. So number one, give people the choice. Number two, design intentionally for remote first. Number three, train everyone on these eight skills. It's not difficult. When you do it, you're going to see magnificent results. And the final thing is to give people autonomy. Trust them. You recruited them. You brought them into your business. Let them do the work. They know the way they can do it really well. If you are an HR professional, business manager, or just someone interested in the latest trends in the workplace, the HR in Review podcast is for you. Brought to you by hrreview.co.uk, the leading online HR news and advice website. The HR in Review podcast brings you interviews with leading HR experts, academics and practitioners. 
By joining us, you can keep up to date with the latest people management trends, learn about best practice and improve your professional skills. We cover a wide range of HR-related topics such as HR strategy, technology, recruitment, pay and benefits, training, employment law, diversity and well-being. Each episode lasts 20 to 30 minutes and usually features two or three guests discussing the topic of the day in a lively and informative discussion hosted by members of our editorial team. You can subscribe for free to HR in Review on your podcast app. Just search for HR in Review or find out more at hrreview.co.uk slash podcast. Join the conversation at HR in Review today. Amazing. Thank you, Sandra. Uh, I'd just like to add that we had 14 sessions at Disrupt HR London, and they were all rapid fire. And we had some huge names who joined us from all over the world as, as speakers. Um, but Sandra's was one of the, the ones that really stuck out for me. I, w- I was hugely impressed by Sandra's session. Um, and uh, I would recommend if you ever get a chance to check out Sandra at any other events, do so, because uh, she's got a lot of clever engaging things to say so there we go hey sandra uh, the next two questions are questions that we ask of all of our guests on the hr in review pod okay um and the the first of those two goes as follows if you could pass on that you've learned in your career in one minute or less what bill is no possibility i could do that hang on a minute i'm a disrupt hr talker these days i can do it okay let's do it um what would be what would be your top tip for hr professionals Okay, are we starting the clock now? Let's go. Um, So (laughs) curiosity, curiosity and asking really great questions. I was quite early in my career. I had assumed that the organisation worked in a certain way because I'd worked in a couple of organisations by then. Come on, don't, you know, I know this stuff. Mm -mm. I got bitten quite badly because I had designed a piece of work which hadn't accommodated some of the nuances in this particular organization and the problem was I hadn't asked enough questions and I hadn't asked enough open questions to get even more out of the stakeholders I was serving. So be curious, ask questions, doesn't mean to say that you need to know every single thing, the ins and outs of everything, but please do engage open up, ask more questions in an open way to really get to the bottom of what drives your stakeholders and how your work will be effective to them. Because I certainly made some assumptions to my detriment and I never did that again. Love it. Excellent. Excellent advice. Thank you very much. Um, he, the, the next question is a big one. Okay, so you might want to take a couple of minutes on this one, Sandra. Uh, what is the single biggest change that you think will happen in HR over the next five to 10 years? It is a big one. <laughs> and so I think you're going to have to step in and tell me to stop. So uh, so <laughs> here we go. This, this, is, this is what I think. And interestingly, I think there's a parallel going on here with some of the things that I have witnessed in customer experience. So my headline here is personalization of work. What on earth does she mean by that, for goodness sake? Well, what I mean by personalization of work means that rather than HR, human capital, whatever you want to call the team that are responsible for advising the board on how people should be at work, is please consider 
everyone independently when you bring them into the organization. And please keep checking in on what they need to do great work. Now, I found out not long ago uh, that uh, there, was a, there was a survey undertaken. It was with a gentleman called um, John Hopkins who works in the hybrid space. He did some research which found 63% of the people who were asked, I think it was a couple of thousand people in this survey, 63% of the people who were asked how important is, uh, so they were given a list of things that were important to them and they picked out flexibility as the number one thing that was critically important to them now more than ever. And here's the shocker. I'm actually, it might not be very much shocked to some of you, but in fact, flexibility was a preference to a pay rise. The fact is that people really want to organize their work-life blend on their terms, which comes back, doesn't it, full circle on how do I do work? Now, I've been very, very lucky in that I can decide to pop on a plane and go to Bali to do some work where I had to be creative. I had to be very, very careful about how I designed a piece of work. And I was given the inspiration of being somewhere warm, culturally different. It worked for me perfectly. So I think that the personalization of what individuals need, how they want to work, to get the tasks done is the thing that is going to revolutionize the approach that HR takes, the role it plays in ensuring that managers can cope with, can allow, can empower people to do work on their terms. Because I think there will be a real friction, there will be conflict while we work through that. But those that can accommodate the needs of individuals will be the ones who keep the talent. And if you want to um, just check out one book, there's an amazing book called The 100 Year Life that was out a few years ago, which was basically about people dipping in and out of education, dipping in and out of different workplaces, dipping out of traveling around the world. Individuals are prioritizing differently. And so the emphasis will be, if it isn't already, on trying to capture that talent and to keep them. And when you work with them and their needs, I really think you've bagged it. Awesome. Thank you, Sandra. And just finally for today, how can our listeners connect with you? So maybe that's through LinkedIn. Maybe you're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Maybe you're really super cool and you're all over TikTok. And also, how can <laughs> they learn more about uh, EI Evolution CX and EX Consultancy? I'm not on TikTok yet, but watch this space. You might find me cut some <laughs> grooves. Um, I'm on, uh, in, uh, I am on LinkedIn. Uh, so if you find me under CXEI Sandra, you'll find me there. Uh, I also have a website, eievolution.com. Uh, watch this space because we're going to be sending out some information about new courses on employee engagement, employee experience towards the back end of the year. So it will be great to hear from you. I look forward to finding out more. Wonderful. And uh, that just leads me to say for today, Sandra, I've seen you in action and therefore I know that you're awesome and uh, I appreciate your time today. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's been a blast. The HR and Review podcast is brought to you by hrreview.co.uk. 
hrreview.co.uk is a website dedicated to human resources and related professionals. News items are posted daily together with analysis looking in-depth at topical HR issues. You can sign up for our range of specialist newsletters at hrreview.co.uk slash sign up and follow us on Twitter at HR Review or join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thank you for listening.